my name is Doc. I am hosting a softball tournament in June. Actually, it will be June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the first weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event uh, to raise money for Mission 22 to help prevent veteran suicide. Because as you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. I personally am a Mission 22 survivor. This June will be 15 years for myself from when I tried to commit suicide. So it's just in my heart to give to Mission 22. I would love for y'all to be a part of this tournament by giving donations. I can be reached by email and it's beard, B-E-A-R-D, bash, B-A-S-H dot softball at gmail.com. I would greatly appreciate as many donations as possible. And it does not have to be $5, $10. It can be 50 cents. All proceeds will go to Mission 22. Amber, what are you drinking tonight? Well, Amanda, I have gone to the liquor store, uh, so I do have a vodka choice. However, I'm going to stick with Trusty Bush Light and my limited edition orange can. That's a nice can. Hey, look, it almost matches my shirt today. Yes, it does. It has some deer horns. (laughs) This is a borrowed shirt, so it's not normally in my closet. But (laughs) Someone's going to hear me say deer horns and be like, we're never listening to this podcast again. <laughs> Antler. Dear Antlers. 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 Yes. What are you <laughs> drinking, Amanda? Well, I decided to go with one of my tropical favorites. So I have a mango vodka with the pineapple orange guava juice. You and your guava juice. It's so good. So good. I, I don't know. I don't know if I should trust you anymore because I tried. I, I'm not going to be able to drink your ginger beer. Yeah, you don't think so? I had to throw the ginger snap things away. Could have just saved them. I would have. There was only one. I mean, there's only three. I tried two <laughs> on separate occasions. I can't do it. Yeah, I thought they were the other one. Yeah, Ty, Ty's like I said, throw this way. He's like, it's not even open, and I was like, no, it's disgusting. Throw it away. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the peppermint patty ones? I love it. I love them all. I don't like the ginger snap. That's so ones. weird. Yeah, I can't get through the peppermint patty ones. Those are not oh, my jam. Those, were, those ones were the first ones gone. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member was easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Melody Young. She served in the United States Army from 2002 to 2015 as a human resource specialist. How are you doing today, Melody, and what are you drinking? I am doing great, ladies, and I am drinking straight from my fridge some nice ice-cold water. Yay! She's drinking it neat, y'all. She's got that neat water. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We are happy to have you here with us today. Thank you. Nice to be here. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. 
they truly believe your journey matters. Melody, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how your story started? So I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. Go Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> and so I've spent most of my life there, born and raised, but my family is from Savannah, Georgia. So I decided shortly after the September 11th attacks to move south and just kind of like have a new environment to be in and be close to my grandparents. And that's pretty much where I stayed until I enlisted in the military and started my other set of adventures. So what made you decide to join uh, the Army and why did you become a human resource specialist? Well, I was just kind of like not really sure what I want to do with my career because um, I do have a business degree after the attacks in New York and so many people were out of work and it was just really, really bad. And I relocated. I just was kind of like up financially. I just was in a really, a really bad place. So uh, I made a friend and she was Alyssa at the time. And she said, well, you should consider joining the military and you can be an officer and you have health care for your kids and, you know, some more financial stability. And I was like, what? I'm too old. I can't do it. I don't know. And I never thought about that. She was like, well, just give it a try. And I did. I started getting myself in shape and it was horrible because I was already old. <laughs> <laughs> and out of shape and never played sports. So I was just out there just, just, it was horrid trying to watch me, trying to run and everything. But I did it. I made it through, you know, MEPS and everything. And boot camp was also horrible. I know all the drill sergeants were just shaking their head all the time. <laughs> what is she going here? What in the world? I, I, I never regretted it. It did give me the, the health insurance that I needed for my kids. It did give me just a whole new group of people that I otherwise would have never been exposed to and, and a whole new brother and sisterhood that I had never really experienced before. It was something that's amazing and it's lifelong. And I greatly appreciate it. I, I wouldn't have changed doing that for the world, in spite of how many times I got laughed at. And but, I, but what I realized was, in spite of me being older than a lot of the people I went through with, there were things that they couldn't do. There, were, I could do things that some of the young guys couldn't do. And that made me feel pretty awesome. <laughs> hey, I'll cheers to that. We can cheers, cheers to that. Yes. Yes. to hanging in there <laughs> and being better. How old were your kids when you joined? They were like six and seven. Okay. You went to school while having kids too then. I, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> kind I of backwards did. from the way I did it, but you got to go in as an officer and I went yeah. in as a Well, I'm not an officer. I ended up not going, I started out going that route and then I had a change in my family situation and I backed out of it and I stayed enlisted. And okay. that is the one thing that I do regret because I felt like if maybe I would have like tried to work some other things out, I probably could have finished it. But I mean, it is what it is. So I'm, I'm uh, still. Hey, you did it anyway. Yeah, yeah you kept you know, it going for sure. I met like my husband, my, my young husband. So <laughs> <laughs> cheers to uh, still finding a way and meeting yeah. your husband. Yeah. Oh wait, still husband. Still husband. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, Cheers to meeting your husband. <laughs> He's the drink mixer of the family. I should have asked him to make me. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. We like water. We, uh, we drink it all the time <laughs> on the show. <laughs> all right. So you were in for quite a few years. What duty stations did you go to and did you have a favorite one? 
I worked with a medical instructor unit originally. They were a reserve unit, but we did a lot of traveling and we traveled all over the country, basically teaching soldiers if they wanted to be combat medics. So that was pretty interesting. I got to travel all over from California to Massachusetts, Chicago. Like I was north, south, east, and west until I left that uh, unit and joined a combat engineer unit. Oh, Amber, um, do you know what yeah. that means? We can ask her. Yes. You know what I that was going to wait to hear her? where the com- I, I will. I was going to wait to hear where the combat engineer unit was, and then I'm ready to ask. All right. Uh, All right. So after I left that unit, which I had actually was going to do medical, I was going to become an instructor like everybody else I was working with. But then I got the opportunity to do this active duty assignment in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and that's the combat engineer unit. And that's that's where I stayed until I finally ETS in 2015. All right. So you're originally from New York, you have family in Georgia, but you got to travel all over the country. Yes. Do you prefer the East Coast or the West Coast? Okay. I've only been in California. That that's fine. Yeah. Well, West Coast. <laughs> I've been in California. There. Okay. I was at one location that was just absolutely fabulous, and another one that was all desert, and I hated it. I hated every every oh, twenty nine Palms. <laughs> So, we don't count that. I was born and raised on the East Coast, so I'm going to always defer to the East Coast just because I kind of feel like I got oh, off. Oh, oh, she's an outlier. Yeah. There's two of you. There's yeah. two East Coasters out of all the people we've talked to. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone else prefers the West Coast. It's a continual poll throughout our podcast, and almost everyone says West Coast. Really? Yeah. West Coast oh. is the best coast. <laughs> you know, I'm a Brooklyn girl, so I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna She's like it. Brooklyn is a whole different ball game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a really good friend that's from Brooklyn, and he really enjoyed growing I up there. I was going to ask you, where's is Georgian from Brooklyn? No, he's not from Brooklyn. He's from um, Long Island, I think. Okay, I yeah. live there too in Long Island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, he said, I'm from he said the West Coast too, though. Like he lives, he left the East Coast, went to the West Coast, went back to the East Coast when he got out, and I think he still said West Coast. Really, he did. Well, my daughter, I have to say, my daughter is doing a ministry uh, training group out there, and she loves it. And she, you know, all of us grew up on the East Coast, but she's been in California like. I think this is her second time. Mm-hmm. And she came back and she says, yes, I'm going to apply to be on staff there. I love it there. And I can't wait to bring you guys out there. And we're like, ooh, so okay. Count that as a wash boat since your daughter loves it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's totally, she's here from Huntington yeah. Beach now. Okay. And she's going to be going That's back. Beautiful location, Huntington Beach. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. I like it there a lot. I wonder why she loves it there. Right? Yeah, and she was living in like a mansion, so that kind of oh. helps. Also. Yeah. yeah, that makes everything better in California too. Like, yes, yes, beach every day. She loves it. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous right now. Fangirling just a bit for your daughter. Schwartz Davidson Law is a Texas-based, veteran-friendly law firm. Credit and debt is a big game, and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? 
What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Swartz Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding the credit bureau's feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? Let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz-Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. Sounds good. Stop it. Can you give us an active duty story from your time in? Okay, my funny story is actually from when I first enlisted and my first unit, this is back in, in Florida. So we had got released to go on lunch break. So they had a place reserved for us so that we would just all go there. We wouldn't have to pay for our food. But, you know, if you went anyplace else, then you were just on your own. So we're all leaving and I don't know too many people. And one of the girls in my section was like, oh, okay, you can ride with me. So I'm like, okay, that's great. So we're chit-chatting, we're riding along the way and she gets a phone call. And I tell you, this girl, she gripped the wheel with her knees. She answered the call and she had a full blown conversation driving with her knees wrapped around the steering wheel. And I promise you, I looked at this girl like, this is not okay. (laughs) What are you doing in Jacksonville? The traffic was really bad and she's moving in and out and changing lanes. And I'm like, oh my God. This girl is going to get us killed. I just enlisted. In yeah. the Why is this happening? And she's just like, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, this isn't right. Like, you have a passenger with you. Yeah, no, this is wrong. So I finally I asked her, I was like, wait, I don't know how you're doing this. And I'm really amazed that you're doing it. But just like, like, oh, I do this all the time. It's no problem. Oh, my gosh. When I got to that restaurant, I was like, oh, my God, I really pray I can get another ride back to the unit because this, I said, I, I said I was going to tell you guys, out of all my travels, even being in the war zone, rockets flying over, I had everything, that was the most terrifying experience I've oh my had, gosh. being in the military, riding with that girl, with driving with her knees. <laughs> Well, I'm never going to be a driver with Melody then because, uh, <laughs> I mean, do you do that? I can. See, I didn't even Not, as much. Not as much anymore because she's got the fancy car that will talk to you. Okay. So it's a lot, it's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. No. But 12 years ago, riding around San Diego, that's a whole different story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One yeah. time we had, do you remember that time, Amber, we had that rental truck? That was part of like the command for some reason had that rental truck and it had the OnStar in it. And we went somewhere together and you were like talking to the OnStar lady the whole time. Was I sober? Yeah, we were leaving work. We were doing a work run of some kind. I don't, I don't know where we were going or why we had it, but I remember you. And it was when OnStar was brand new and she was obsessed. She was like, I wonder what happens if I push the OnStar button. And she had yeah. a conversation with the OnStar lady like the whole trip. I, uh, I nope, I don't recall. <laughs> I don't doubt that it. I did that. That's, I, I just don't recall. Yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. <laughs> All right, Melody. So, a lot of drinking between then and now. 
so Melody, you said that you were in war zone. Did you deploy overseas at all? I did. Where were you when you went over there? Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. My combat engineer unit went to Afghanistan to do to start the breakdown because you know we've been over there for quite some time. So we were part of the mission to start breaking down the pops and things like that. Okay. How was what was that yeah. like? It was interesting because we weren't like experiencing some of the things that the units before us experienced. By the time we got there, things were a little calmer. But when I say mm-hmm. calmer, I mean, we still pretty much got weekly rocket attacks directly at, at where we were stationed at. So we were always getting alarms. And, you know, when the alarm goes off, they have bunkers stationed all around. So you just have to find your way to the nearest bunker. But even with that, you still, after a while, kind of got used to it um, until something kind of hit close to you where you were like we had a dining hall where we would go to and one of the dining halls got hit one day and it was kind of like a a shock to us like wow like this is still a for real thing like we are still really in danger and then we would have some of our some of our companies would go out to other areas and then where I work in the command center I could see our people traveling all throughout the country and you're sitting there watching these monitors and then you go watch all the townspeople and then you're just like, okay, you know, could he be just a regular farmer or a suspect or any little white, any little van traveling along? You're like, oh my gosh, like, I hope this is not something serious going down. And, you know, so it's just amazing how much you can see and monitor and you're praying that, you know, you don't see something tragic happen like right before your eyes or, or what have you. Right. I'll give... MWR and USO credit because they did a lot to keep our morale lifted. They jumped through hoops to make sure we had internet and a a place where we can go unwind, watch movies or listen to music or call home. I'm an MWR warrior. Like my entire deployment, I was all about. Yes. Yes. They like, we got our first Christmas tree through them. Like they really are worth every dime that they get from the government, them and USO as well. Yeah. Um, so we, we really never felt like, okay, we're just out here without any any resources. People will always send me packages. And I tell people, listen, if your school or anybody is sending packages to those troops, they really do get those packages. <laughs> so it's, it's a good And they really do appreciate it. Oh, too. so much. Have yeah. you seen a program called Soldiers Angels? I haven't heard of that, but I did do the Adopt a Soldier program. Yeah. That is a great program, and it's one that we learned about when we were on de- when I was on deployment on the boat. So it's it's people like either us, like veterans that have been there and know, or civilians that want to get involved, and they basically adopt a service member for their deployment and send mm-hmm. them care packages. So you just it's such a a great thing because you just go onto their website and you're like sign up and you're like hey I'm a service member and I'm deployed, and then it goes you're like your list goes out. Or your name goes out on the list and people can pick you up. So we were getting care packages like once a week between like the, like, because I whole division signed up for it because we're like, well, this mm-hmm. is really cool. So we were getting care packages like once a week with like really cool stuff because it's people that want to be involved and want to help and don't really know how to. Right. So you feel a little bad because they're sending you some like, like high end snacks or like just real, sometimes like I got a nice scarf one time and I'm like, well, I don't really need this, but 
like it's still really like I still have it to this day. It meant so Yeah, much. I gotta tell you, my my adopted mom, and I still call her my adopted mom, she sent me like so many beautiful things. She sent me this beautiful blanket to because you know they give you those like little old World War II <laughs> crusty blankets. Oh, yes. Oh. Beautiful blanket, and I'll never forget. I, I, I've kept everything she sent me, but like really any type of snacks or anything that I wanted. She was just so good. I, I, I gave her a flag because once we were about to leave, we were able to fly flags at different parts of our compound, you know, in honor of someone. So I had a flag flown for her and, you know, I had it boxed up in a little pretty case and sent it to her and her husband and everything like that. So, you know, I encourage you awesome. those things do not go to waste. I promise Ooh. you. Not at all. So if anyone wants to, like, if anyone wants more information about Soldiers, Angels, or just care packages in general, like, reach out to us and we'll help you get started yes, because for sure. active duty. You can put the links in the show notes too, though, right, Amanda? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. But, and I don't know whatever program you guys had for Christmas adoption as well. Yeah, uh, we did the Adopt a Soldier thing. Yeah. So it was, it sounds like pretty much the same. The same thing, setup. but it's like year round. It's not just at Christmas time. Yeah. And it's, they're just great programs or just to send care packages in general. Like Mm -hmm. I've never met a service member that got a care package that didn't appreciate it and didn't share it with their friends. Yes. So it's, it's needed when you're active duty. It is. It means, and for me personally, I was not one of the people that was always getting packages from home because I just have my kids and they don't have anything. So you know, I wasn't one of the ones that was getting letters every week and things like that. And, you know, I can, I can face time with them periodically if I timed it right. But after a while, it started getting to me. I was like, oh, man, everybody else is getting something and I'm not getting anything. And it was, I was starting to feel sad. So I went to the website and I told the people in my company about it. And I said, hey, you guys, if you're interested, let me know. And then I'll submit, you know, your names. And people started signing up and it felt so good to me after a couple of months, I would say maybe two or three months into the program, they were coming to me and saying, hey, thank you so much for introducing this to us because my adopted parent sent me such and such. And yeah. I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. Like, you know, they, they were so thoughtful. So I was just yeah. like, yeah, just because let them know. I really appreciate it. And, you know, don't take advantage of anyone, but just, you know, it's such a thoughtful thing. So Well, that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about is that there are a lot of soldiers and sailors and airmen over there that don't have anyone at home or they don't have people at home that can support them in that way. And just getting that letter or that piece of mail or that box Mm -hmm. showing that someone is thinking about them can make or break someone's day or someone's deployment. Especially after a certain amount of time, like maybe if it was just like, you know, a few weeks or whatever, but after a certain amount of time, if you're just not getting any mail, anybody, you feel kind of like uh. <laughs> it could be a huge morale changer yeah and it's it's a stranger's kindness and it's mm-hmm. incredible mm-hmm. all right but so school kids from from my daughter's yeah. classmates and everything so and I, I kept all of it I should have sent you some of those pictures actually I didn't think about it you still have time eventually though you do have to give up that brother sisterhood and transition from being active duty to being a civilian and a veteran. How was your transition process? Horrible. Horrible. When I tell you, I went through every stereotype, everything that you've ever witnessed on TV. 
it, I, I went through it and I couldn't believe it because I had a plan before I left out. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna spend a year with my grandmother, kind of help see about her. She's older. I'm gonna take like a few months off. I had a nice savings account. I'm going to go to school. I had everything planned out and bit by bit by bit, it was all gone. All my savings was gone. I couldn't find work. The school I was going to go to, that ended up being a mess. I couldn't go to school there. And then I at least ended up running out. Even when I tried to renew it, we had waited too late. So I couldn't renew our lease. So I'm in this position where, okay, I got accepted to a different school, but now we don't have anywhere to live. And when I tell you, my family was homeless for, and that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't the first time I'd had to sleep in my car, but that was the first time I'd actually been homeless, you know, with a child. And at this point in time, I have like a younger child uh, now, you know, the other two, they're older, but it was such a life changing experience because I was like, wow, like we're actually one of the people that we've seen our whole life. We're actually, and then, you know, you're going to different agencies trying to get help and this and that. And I'm just like, okay, like, how is this really happening? And bouncing from motel to motel. And then, you know, school is getting close. And I'm like, this girl has no place to live. Like, how am I going to get her in school? It was just such a bad, my dog died a tragic death. Tragic, tragic, tragic death. Like, I can't. I can still see the image of him that day. And, and you know, we were in a motel, um, but financially it's really, really hard. And, and you know, you know, we are part of the Sister Veterans. You see all of those stories. It's hard. It's and so even hard. even if you have a plan, I was like, and I, I ran into people that told me, listen, if you can hang in there, try to hang in there. Like, don't get out right now if if you can you know push through and i was like ah, you know i'll travel this and that i think it's time my daughter was kind of tired of me leaving because i was just like always going someplace and even though i was never going that long into my deployment still it was kind of like i was always missing something and but when i tell you and into this day i regret that decision now things are better but they're not i, I don't feel like okay you know, maybe that wasn't the right move. And I literally spent the last two years trying to re-enlist for that specific reason. Because I said, if I can get back in and finish my time, at least I can say, okay, I can retire. I'll have, and I do, you know, I'm registered with the VA. I have a rating, all of that other kind of stuff. But just being out here, not having any sense of security or anything like that. I feel like I can relate a whole lot more to not just the currently serving, but those who are out here now, whether they've recently transitioned or it's been a few years. So yeah, I, I'm on the bandwagon officially of, if you can stay in to retire, stay in. If you can't stay in, you get out, do what you need to do, but keep a toe in, you know, go be a reservist, National Guard, keep a toe, a foot, anything in, because you never know where things are going to, you know, flip with, with jobs and everything being the way they are. At least you have some source of income. If you have reservists, you can ask them to put you on orders. Like, you, you can get health insurance. You have money for school. You just have so many more options than if you're just out here, you know, on your own.
<laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it. Like I've been there. I've been through some of the same scenarios that you have and it's, yeah. it's tough. It's so tough. Yeah. And, and they, they try to prepare you to say, you take all these classes and everything like that, but it doesn't help. They don't, yeah. they spend so much time and we just recently talked about this on another podcast, but they spend so much time conditioning you to be a service member, but they take a couple of days to try to condition you to going back to being a civilian right. and it's not you, enough. Like, yeah, it's not, you almost need a full boot camp just to get out of the service. Yeah. You're done. It, it never really a hundred percent leaves you. No. Not a hundred percent. And it, even a little bit that it does, like it takes years. And when you come out and you're like, what is this madness? That's happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even when I came back from Afghanistan, I was like, I, I, under, I didn't understand it before. But when I came out, I understood why people re up for those overseas deployments. Because being in that situation where you don't have to worry about bills, you don't have to worry about, you know, your lights being turned off. You yeah. don't have to worry about, you know, money going into the bank. You know, everybody's still kind of like on the same wavelength. Even the contractors over there, they're all, everybody's still kind of like mingling and everything is kind of like, you know, in sync. But then you come over here and you deal with a whole different mindset. And it's just like, it's almost like shocking. Like, oh no, I, I think I'd rather... I'll go back again. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I know people like, that's just like, listen. Take me back. Take me back. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Come on. <laughs> that was like, listen, if I get severely injured, just let me bleed out. I don't want to come back over here and be a vegetable or anything like that. So yeah, like, this pretty serious thing. Yeah. It's a struggle. It's one of the hardest things I think any of us have had to do is become a, a veteran. Mm-hmm. And it's not always clear how hard it is until you find yourself in a spot that you don't know how you got there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So then it's been a few years. How are you doing now? I'm doing much better now. I have a job with CYS here at Port Gordon where we live now. Actually, me and my husband both work for MWR, so it's kind of crazy how it ended up working out. So it's still the military, though. It's still slow. It's still like people still don't want to work right. <laughs> But, you know, it's a job. It's, it's a foot back in the door that I can use to go to put towards my retirement that, you know, I was trying to do on the military side. I can still do it through government civilian side. Are so you buying your time back? I am going to, but I'm not at that level yet where I can do that. So probably, hopefully in the next few months or if I get another job referral, that is at that level where I can buy my time back. I definitely plan on it. I don't want to waste all the time, which was why I was trying to get back in. Right. Um, honestly, if there was a way I could reach anyone in Congress or Washington, I would be like, listen, you have a whole slew of veterans that you could put to work. We have all this training and all this experience. And they'll say, well, you don't meet the physical standards or this and that. And I'm just like, listen. There's more to being in the military than running around with a backpack. Like we can do yeah. health care. We could do so many different things. Even even rear debt, you know, there's always a rear debt unit. And those, you know, we can do things like that. Like why are you throwing away so many millions of people? And that might be a strong word, but I feel like there's so many millions of people that are still can serve in some type of way. 
We won't have we don't have to be homeless. We don't have to be hungry. We don't have to be, you know, hoping the VA can give us an appointment five months down the line. So, but we're yeah. good now. We have a home. It's a beautiful home. My daughter's in high school now, the baby girl. <laughs> she's in high school now, freshman year. So, Uh-oh. you know, she's still happy. I got out. So I'm just like, I keep telling myself, like, oh, okay, well, she's happy. Yeah. Kids are so resilient. And that helps so much in some of these processes that we have to go through. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then if you had advice for someone that was either getting ready to get out or they've already made that transition and they're lost and trying to find their way, what would that be? I would tell them to just look, you know, where are you right now? Are you close to retirement? Are you just like two, three, four, five years away? Try to hang in there. I know it's going to be hard. Maybe you might need to look and re- re- see if you can for a transfer for a different unit, but don't let all those years go by without looking at your options, even if you're going to do an early retirement. If they are far away from retirement and or, you know, they've done five years and they just want to be out, I'd be like, okay, you know, what are you going to do? Have a plan. I had a plan too, but you need to have another plan besides that. So right. I'd be like, okay, a, B, so if you want to go to school, let's say you can, <laughs> right, right. So let's say you can't do, you know, your top three choices. You know, do you have enough money to sustain you for six months or a year or what have you, you know, say you're not making that much money, you end up at a fast food place. Are you going to be able to live off of that? So I would, I would, and then the school, whatever you're looking to study, and this was one of my mistakes. I picked something that I thought would be an interesting career. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I think I'll do that. And then I started it and I was like, mm, no. And I ended up in this class where I broke my wrist and it was just a big mess. That's another story. <laughs> it's kind of a funny one too. But yeah, I broke my wrist. It's the first time I ever broke a bone. So anyway, and then I was like, well, I'm going to change and I'm going to do a different program. Did a different program. And I kind of struggled through that too. And some of that could have just been with me. You know, I don't remember things as well. So I kind of like battled through that program. But I did. I graduated and everything like that. Got a job. I was super happy. I was working at an OBGYN place. And then COVID hit. And they were pretty much like, yeah, you know, you just graduated, you're out of school, you're still in training, and we're about to close down some of these extra services. So yeah, you just, just ain't going to work out. And I was, you know, out the door in the middle of, you know, right at the beginning of the COVID crisis when everybody else was losing jobs as well. And I had no recourse. And I just spent two and a half years doing this new program that I thought I would love. But then my daughter reminded me, she was just like, hey, you know. Is that what you were really supposed to be doing? You know, maybe God wanted you in another field and you just went down this path just just because, you know. So I'm kind of like in that place now. Like, you know, I felt like I was kicked in the stomach. So I'm trying to recover from that now. <laughs> and like, okay, wipe my tears, you know, all that stuff. And I'm still a little salty about it. But I'm getting better. That's good. That's good. You're on the right track. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And now you got your foot in the door on that government job. So I do. I do. I, I think it's going to work. I feel like, you know, and getting a government job is not easy. I've no, been trying. No. It is not. No. And they tell you it's true. If you get something, no matter how low the level is, go ahead and take it. Take it. You can bump around and move up or put in for other things. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm a flex now. 
I have no guaranteed hours, no guaranteed anything, but my foot is in the door and as other things open up, I can apply for it just like anybody else. And I can, they can already see on my resume, like, Hey, you know, already in the system. This yeah. So yeah. 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 That's the hardest thing is just to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. So if our listeners wanted to contact you, if they had questions about anything that you're doing, or if they just need someone to talk to, what's the best way to reach you? Okay, I have two ways to reach me primarily. My civilian email, which is M-E-L-M-O-0517 at gmail.com. And I have a event management business, which also has taken a hit because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, but, I imagine. you know, I still have things that I plan on doing for like the future once things start getting back to normal. So that business um, is overflowing events at gmail.com. And then, I mean, always, there's always Facebook. They can look me up on Facebook and send me a message. Okay. And I'll put all those in the show notes. Um, that way people can know where to contact you if they would like to contact you for any reason. Scale Executive Search is a veteran-owned and operated search firm serving aerospace tech and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. Amber, do you want to talk a little bit about the charity that we've chosen to support this week? Sure. So on top of continuing our support for the Tilvahala project, we are also supporting the Fallen Outdoors which is a veteran-created, veteran-ran, veteran-organized nonprofit that can be found at thefallenoutdoors.com, and they take veterans hunting and fishing across the entire country. They have locations, and you don't have to have anything other than a DD-214. You don't have to have a VA rating. You don't have to have anything. Uh, other than that, DD two fourteen that says you got to honestly, yeah, So if that's something that anyone is interested in, and we are hoping to be able to to help them out, just spreading their name around. Absolutely. Do you want to discuss how we're going to provide that check to them? Sure. So Amanda and I have some merch for sale. The T-shirts, hoodies, long sleeve shirts, and tank tops are on bonfire, and they say veterans drinking vodka. Kind of basic right now. We haven't gotten into any special episode related yet. Yeah, we're getting there. They they are coming. We're gonna need an artist if anyone would like to volunteer because we're on a budget. Yes, they are coming. (laughs) We need the chicken foot and the jupe jupe buildings. Yes, and we also have koozies and stickers. If that is something that you're interested in, and that kind of advertises who we are to get more listeners, and that can be, or those can be purchased through Amanda. Yeah, directly through us. And if you're interested in that, or if you would like to contact Amber or I directly for any reason, not just merchandise, but to have a chat to whatever, whatever you need from us, we're here for you. But we can be found on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka, or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Like Amina said, please reach out to us. 
even if you just need someone to talk to, we are available. Um, not just for merchandise, not for just show purposes. We would also like to hear from you, though, if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. You can send us an email at the Gmail that Amanda mentioned or direct message us on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, different. Your constructive criticism is greatly appreciated by no means our Amber and I professional podcast. We're just two veterans trying to do a good thing. So if you could leave us a review, it helps the algorithm. Algorithm. Anytime you hit a like, anytime you hit a like, a follow, a comment, a share, not only helps helps us, but it helps reaching other people. Right. And we get more exposure in podcast land. So please, please, please leave us a review or a, a star rating. Because we want to hear from you. We do. We really do. You can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. We start that shenanigan time period at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer in there that while we do invite everyone, civilian, military, or veteran, it is an unscripted live networking event. And when you put a bunch of veterans together, usually with a little bit of uh, leaded beverages, Mm -hmm. things can get a little wild. So just be prepared that it is not a PG-13 situation. Yep, pop in, pop out, say hi, meet people. It's... It's a lot of fun. But the reason why Amanda and I are doing this podcast, not only to share veteran stories, but to bring about mental health awareness and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. Mm-hmm. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans right. Drinking Vodka. Cheers. Cheers.